Dissonance Media and the Other Stories presents Step into the abyss of After the Gloaming, a gothic fiction podcast that delves into the depths of human emotion. Unyielding love, revenge, internal struggles, and restless souls await you in nine haunting episodes where dread, fear, and rare glimpses of eerie happiness linger. Dare to listen on your favourite podcatcher? After the gloaming beckons, search now, but beware, innocence will be left behind. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. These aren't the stories your mother told you. No, these are the other stories. <laughs> Today's episode of The Other Stories is I Don't Know What Possessed Him, written by Mike Garley and narrated by Shara Yonker. Olivia didn't like the way her brother looked at her. There was something dark lurking behind his eyes. She didn't know if it was because Ethan blamed her or if he was just struggling to maintain his emotions. But since his friend went missing, there was something different about him. Something unsettling. The two of them were very close growing up. They were always making dens, sharing secrets, and getting into trouble. But as they got older, they spent less and less time together. When they reached high school, Olivia found herself in with the popular kids, whereas her brother was, somewhat unsurprisingly, seen as just another outcast. He always seemed happier on his own. That was until he met Josh. Despite Olivia's attempts to help her brother make friends, she didn't like Josh. She felt bad thinking negative of anyone, especially since his disappearance. But after he joined the school, everything started to change. At a distance, Josh looked like every other lanky teenage boy, but when you got closer, you could feel he was different. He had a ghoulish quality to him. He was scrawny, with pasty skin and slicked back hair that looked like it had never seen product. Even more unsettling was the dark coat of dirt and grime under his fingernails and the contours of his weathered hands. It looked like they'd seen a lifetime of manual labor. A lifetime that was unattainable for a guy that couldn't even see an R-rated movie without a fake ID. 
Worse than that, Olivia could never shake the feeling that Josh had befriended her brother for ulterior motives. For her, she never wanted to be that girl, but she often caught him gazing at her. Josh transferred into the school midway through the year, and while he still had the defense of being new, he found himself in the girls' changing rooms. Whereas half the other girls in there were in states of undress, he only gave them a cursory glance before his eyes locked onto her. Most of them laughed it off as the freaky new kid getting lost, and why wouldn't they? It wasn't them he was looking at, like they were nothing more than a piece of meat. Olivia couldn't shake the feeling that he only looked away because they saw him, and that made her feel sick. She was sure he knew exactly where he was, what he was doing, and who he was doing it to. She made sure that she kept her distance after that. What's another weird kid at school to avoid? But she'd often feel him staring at her with an almost malevolent smile. Luckily, she was always in a big enough group that she'd never get caught alone with him. But that all changed when he conveniently struck up a friendship with her brother. Despite her misgivings, Olivia tried to make an effort and would attempt to talk to Josh whenever he came round, but he never made things easy. He'd reply with one-word answers and avoid gazing at her, a stark difference to when her brother wasn't there. Rather than helping Ethan come out of his shell, Josh's arrival marked her brother's descent even deeper into his morbid curiosities. What was originally a mild interest in taxidermy and entomology, which in themselves were weird enough for a 15-year-old, grew into more than a passing interest in the occult. One time she even caught the duo playing with a Ouija board. She hated to think what type of stuff that could lead to under Josh's influence. No matter what she thought of Josh, she never wanted any harm to come to him. She just wanted her brother back, the way he was before Josh came into their lives. Despite the fact that they never found Josh's body, everyone knew that if you disappeared in a small village like Signet Point and you weren't found within a couple of days, then you were never going to be. Josh had been missing for four months. Olivia decided that enough was enough. When they were kids, she vowed to do anything for him. And if her brother wasn't going to forgive her, then she was going to have to take matters into her own hands. The attic felt like something straight out of a kid's adventure film. Light, airy, and full of boxes. Seemingly too big a room to leave unfurnished, and too nice a space to be used only for storage. Ethan and Josh would use the room knowing they wouldn't be disturbed. Or at least they thought. As it was here, Olivia found them with a Ouija board. There was no Ouija board today, though. At first glance, Olivia couldn't see any sign that the two were ever there at all. After patting her jeans clean, she set about investigating where it could have come from. It took the better part of an hour to trace the faded chalk path into her notepad and recreate the chalk sigil. The feeling returned. Using her notepad to guide her, she followed the faded chalk path along the wooden floor. With every creak of the floorboard, she worried her brother would hear, and she'd have to explain what she was doing, which she wasn't even sure herself. Slowing her pace, each meticulous footstep was met with the slow groan of wood underfoot. That was every step but one. If it wasn't for her attempt at stealth, then she might not have ever rediscovered it. After carefully prying the board from the floor, she exposed a stash of hidden treasures. It was heavier than she expected, and glinted brightly even in its hiding place beneath the floorboard. The dagger was beautiful, intricate, and most terrifyingly of all, covered in dry blood. 
holding the dagger aloft Olivia, as if these three items would set her on a path of action that she could never escape. When she was younger, Olivia would often visit the curiosity shop with her brother, but as she got older, she was less and less comfortable looking around that dusty little store full of freaky old dolls, forgotten trinkets, and stuffed animals. It was the old books in the back of the store that led Olivia there again. Tentatively, she took item number one, the leather-bound book, out of her bag and placed it carefully on the counter. I think it's Latin, she said. I was hoping you could help me read it. After a deep breath, the shopkeeper set to reading through the pages. He looked up several times before returning to the pages as if second-guessing what lay before him. There was apprehension in his voice as he explained the ancient sacrificial ritual that the book detailed. A ritual that would allow you to take the form of whatever your heart desired. She could hear the fear in his voice as he continued, but it wasn't the text that scared him. It was the sigil inscribed on the pages that he recognized, and he knew she did too. Even if Olivia hadn't seen the sigil in the Polaroids, walked its path in her attic, or seen it scrawled in her notepad, she knew it because just like everyone else in Signapoint, she had been there. The ritual stones of Signapoint dated back hundreds of years. The village itself was built around them. It had been a while since she'd been there. Visiting the stones alone at night used to be seen as a rite of passage to prove how brave you were, but that stopped when kids started to go missing. Olivia looked at the moss-covered rocks before looking back at item number two, the Polaroid pictures. She didn't recognize all of the other people or places within them, but the rocks were unmistakable. Olivia found herself following the path around the stones, almost on autopilot. The shopkeeper referred to the ritual sacrifice as a way to get whatever your heart desired, and it was towards the heart of the sigil where Olivia was heading. Thinking back to the attic, she couldn't help but think of what lay in the heart of that sigil. In the attic, there was nothing more than a stack of old boxes, most likely her stepdad's National Geographic. But directly below that, there was a bedroom. The unsettling feeling had returned. Her mind raced as she attempted to put all the various pieces together and thought about how the three items had led her here. A thick carpet of moss covered all but a small part of the ground in the heart of the sigil. It was there where she knew she'd find her answers. Dropping to her knees, she rammed her hands into the dirt and started to dig. She hoped her suspicions were wrong, but after what felt like a lifetime of pulling dirt from the loose soil, her hands hit cold, damp flesh. Fighting the urge to be sick, she carefully cleared the mud away from the corpse. Even after decomposition, she knew whose body this was. Slumped against the side of the makeshift grave, tears streamed down her face as she tried to make sense of what lay in front of her. In the middle of Signapoint Sigil lay the rotting body of her brother, Ethan. Meaning, whatever had been giving her unsettling looks for the last four months was not her brother. And worse than that, the thing that had been watching her then is watching her again now. This time it isn't even trying to hide. A malevolent smile stretched across the thing's face before it slicked back its hair and took a step closer to her. Close enough that she could look into its eyes. There was definitely something dark lurking behind its eyes. Looking around the site, she wondered how many times it had done this throughout the years. How many lives had it taken to live anew? But more importantly, she wondered when her brother had managed to figure it out. Olivia and Ethan were very close growing up. They were always making dens and sharing secrets. 
the loose floorboard in the attic was one of them. The only difference was that when they were young, they placed a small piece of material underneath it to stop it from making a noise when stepped on, a piece of material that someone had removed, which in turn helped her to discover those three life-destroying items. The first item explained what happened in the second. The second revealed who it had happened to and why, which only left her with the third item, the dagger. Before the thing had time to react, Olivia used her last ounce of strength to plunge the dagger into its heart. A black oil-like goo seeped out around the ancient dagger. The thing's smile fell as it slumped slowly towards the ground beside her, spluttering as it did so. The thing didn't put up a fight. It wasn't used to having to. It was dark by the time Olivia could process what had just happened, and light again before she could muster the energy to move. She wiped the blood from the dagger and placed it in her bag. She had vowed to do anything for her brother, and she didn't want that vow to count for nothing. Flipping through the Polaroids, she looked at the other locations, and the other faces staring back at her with malevolent smiles and wondered what other monsters were still lurking out there. But at least thanks to the Polaroids, she had a pretty good idea of what some of them looked like. She knew these three items had set her on a path of action in place that she couldn't escape. But now, thanks to her brother's curiosity, she wasn't the only one whose fate was sealed. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of The Other Stories. I Don't Know What Possessed Him was written by Mike Garley, narrated by Shara Yonker, edited by Duncan Muggleton with music by Duncan Muggleton and Tom Robson, and sound effect provided by freesound.org. The episode illustration was provided by Luke Spooner of Carry On House. A quick thanks to our community managers, Joshua Boucher and Jasmine Arch, and to Joshua Boucher and Carolyn O'Brien for helping with our submission reading. And of course, that Ben Errington, that enigmatic mage of messages, his content spells casting an indelible mark upon the digital scrolls of social media. Enchanting. Mike Garley is a writer of comics, games, screenplays, and, and other such cool stuff. Mike wrote Be Active Media's Emmy-nominated comic series Collider, as well as Wallace and Gromit, Adventure Time, Eponymous, The Kill Screen, and is also the editor of the Dead Roots comic anthology. Shara Yonka is a quirky, enigmatic lalasesiac who lives in beautiful Eugene, Oregon. When she's not fashioning medical products to rescue your squishy brain, she's using her own to plot new story ideas, hone her archery skills, play video games and occasionally lose herself in paralytic fits of existential dread. She's accompanied by her danger noodle, Silas, who whispers award-winning story ideas in her ear every night and graciously allows her to keep all the credit. You can find her on Instagram at, at Zalazra and on Facebook at Shara Dene Yonker. Again, the links will be in the show notes. The Other Stories is a production of the story studio Hawk and Cleaver and is brought to you with a Creative Commons, attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives license. That means don't change it, don't sell it, but by all means share the hell out of it. So, until next time. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Robert, tell the people, what's a pretendian? It's just what it sounds like, Angel. A pretend Indian. Someone who fakes being one of us? Someone who impersonates a native. We're talking about real scammers and con artists. There are pretendians teaching at universities, pretendians running governments, pretendians in Hollywood. 
On our new podcast, Pretendians, we'll tell you the incredible story of these jaw-dropping frauds. Who are they? Why do they do it? And how the heck do they keep getting away with it? Listen to Pretendians on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com.